Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deep Shift. My guest today is Samantha Rose Paprin, international speaker, intuitive healer, and might I say, a TikTok spiritual influencer. Samantha, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so stoked to get this conversation How started. <laughs> Excuse me. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm excited too. So it's really cool because we were on, we've been on each other's podcast. I was on yours and now you're on mine. And uh, I just tossed in the uh, TikTok spiritual influencer because I feel like that'd be fun to chat about because uh, you have been blown up on TikTok lately. Uh, how did you get started? People are always asking like, what's TikTok? How do you, you know, how do you get followers on TikTok? What is your experience been? Um, yeah, it's an interesting ride. I um, had a lot of resistance to joining TikTok, to be completely honest, because I perceived it to be, you know, an app geared towards children and teens that was basically for dancing because it started with like Musical.ly or whatever that app was originally called. And then I had a friend who um, does a bit of like management for speakers and celebrities and artists and all of that who told me, you know, I think your rants and your spiritual talk and all of that would do really, really well on TikTok. Um, and to be completely honest, for anyone who has joined TikTok and has been discouraged because they didn't see themselves growing initially, I had an account that I had for a couple of weeks that only had an 11, 11 followers, zero views on almost every video I put up for those couple of weeks. And I was like, I hate this app. It's not for me deleted it. I was like, I'm never doing it again. Um, and then something inspired me around, I think, June to start it again. And within a couple weeks, I went from, you know, zero followers to 10,000 followers, from 10,000 followers now to 60,000 followers in a few months. Um, and it's been a really wonderful journey. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, negativity you have to sift through on TikTok. There's going to be a lot of pushback, especially when you start to gain following. But um, I'm a testament to the fact that you can grow. I think anyone who has an impetus and a desire to get their word messaging, small business, what, what have you out there, it's completely possible, especially with the TikTok algorithm. Um, and I found it to be really fascinating and it's become one of my favorite platforms not just because of the followship because of being able to witness people like myself who like didn't actually believe that it was possible in just a few short months to grow such a big following um so i love it and i do encourage anybody who may be on like the more resistant end of the fence to dive in and do it would you consider yourself a spiritual person Yes, extremely so. I mean, my belief is that every being on this planet is spiritual. And I think there's a lot of like, you know, weird stuff around all of semantics in the English language, in all languages rather. Um, and especially around the word spiritual or spirituality, you know. Um, I, If I'm going to like speak about it for myself, though, like if someone asks me if I'm religious, no, I'm spiritual by nature. You know, I'm Jewish by blood, spiritual by, spiritual by nature. And um, my career is based on spirituality and consciousness. So 110%, yes, me personally, Samantha Rose Paprin, am a very spiritual being. Um, but that being said, I do believe that we're all spiritual beings, whether or not we um, have a spiritual path. 
you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's like Oprah's, like, you were spiritual beings living a human experience. I love that. Makes sense. Makes, yeah. And um, so where'd you grow up? I'm from New York City originally, so Upper East Side of Manhattan, um, concrete jungle, like a real true New Yorker. Um, and I left there when I was 18 and probably yeah amazing amazing and uh what i mean apart from being a a, a tiktok influencer and an instagram and i love the the social media influencer right now it's like uh i was talking to a friend about how when i was growing up in the 90s it was all about mtv that was that was culture right you turned it on you saw the latest greatest you saw what was cool you saw the good music you saw how people dressed all that and now it's almost like tiktok is the mtv of this generation and everyone who goes on is a, a, a TV show, is a show on this like MTV platform. But that is where culture comes. You know, that's where people, the latest trends and all of that. Uh, so it's really it's interesting being a sort of like influencer on on these platforms. Uh, do you find people reaching out to you? Like, what is how how is it different from having you know eleven followers to all of a sudden having like sixty thousand followers on TikTok? Well, I mean, to be completely honest, when I hit like a certain threshold, I wanted to be under a rock. I was still under what? Under a rock. Like I wanted to hide myself. I, um, you know, I'm still a human being. And at one point, um, at the beginning of it, receiving the thousands of notifications that I receive on a daily basis became super overwhelming. And even if it was, you know, 999 comments that were, or messages or whatever that were positive and one that was negative the one that was negative seemed to always ring a lot louder than the positive one it became difficult it was almost as if because i had a platform um people who had you know a grudge against you know the world their parents themselves wanted to take it out on me and because i had this platform i all of a sudden didn't become a human but it's still it's coming to my personal cell phone you know i don't have um, a group of assistants and team managers who are out there responding to my work and to my engagement. I'm personally trying to respond to almost every single comment. You know, I am looking at the people who follow me and if I see someone whose energy really resonates with me or whose content really resonates with me and kind of follow them back or at least send them a couple of likes. So it's a lot of legwork and it's a lot of like heart work as well. And that's what I'm like worker obviously i'm going to be um presented with a lot of different types of energy but you know i'm still a human albeit so it, it's becoming difficult um but you know from 11 to 60,000, you know there's also this this point in which i got to realize like i get to choose the story that i share with them and i'm a really transparent person so i get to share it all but i get to share it in a way that I would want to have learned those messages through my favorite influencer or MTV star or whatever you call it, you know? Mm. So it's been fun to be able to do that and basically be um, the idol, I guess, even though I don't think I need to idolize. But if you're going to, if you're going to, I want to be the one that I would have wanted as a child, as a teen. Um, young adult, whatever it may be, um, and just, uh, and just, I see 
much bigger town to just do it themselves. That's what they want to do, and that's their soul's journey. I'm not judging them, but it does get me a little worried at times because it's, it's still just the best part of themselves. Um, and that makes it really difficult for people are looking up to them who feel like they're going to be able to get anywhere. Um, if this person can never going, that's the best. Yeah. Um, so we just uh, we just had some microphone issues. We hope hopefully hopefully things will sound better now. If you were if you were paying attention and you were like, oh, I can't really hear Samantha. Uh, hopefully it sounds a little better now. Um, but you were talking about kind of almost the negativity that also comes along with the the positive aspect of gaining a large following, and uh, that is interesting because people are essentially like all their shadows. You know, if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, they're going to take it out on <laughs> an influencer, someone they see, and they'll be incredibly critical. And I, I've actually got some, like, hate, too. I don't really get too much hate, but uh, every now and then I do. And it's usually from people who are religious, which is fascinating, um, who are, like, triggered by something that I say. Um, and, yeah, it's like, you know, I'll get a lot of positive comments, but if I get that one negative one, I'm like, hmm. I read it, try to resp- should you respond or should you not respond? I usually do because, you know, it's like, why not? And I haven't got to that point where I get so many that I don't respond, but, you know, it's like Joe Rogan talks about, he's like, I don't even look at any of the comments. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a point where I, I continuously think about whether or not am I going to get to the point where I just don't respond and I allow my community to share what they want to share amongst each other. Um, I also see a difference in this paradigm that we're stepping into that we're all equal. We've always been all equal, but this is like a real like awakening to that fact. Um, so like, I want to kind of give that opportunity, that equal opportunity to every single being. There are some comments that are just, you can tell they're so low vibey. They're not coming from the right intention. Some are really just there to like troll because they find it fun to troll. So sometimes I just block those accounts. Sometimes, though, I can feel into the person's energy in the comment and recognize that I can diffuse this with love. Mm. I can send them a comment that basically states, like, not necessarily like, hey, how are you doing today? But, like, I hope that your heart heals. And they're like, yeah, wow, thanks for even responding. Because mm. they don't necessarily expect influencers to respond. Because it's oftentimes not most of the time, not people who are following me and not people who are going to be following me who do that. And sometimes those people, when I diffuse it with kindness, with love, with compassion and empathy, they'll follow me afterwards because they're like, whoa, that was super unexpected. Hmm. And sometimes they'll even be like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. That was really rude of me. Hmm. I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, all good. Like, I've projected people before too, so I get it. You know, <laughs> we're human. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's it's that that is an interesting energy. I had someone who reached out to me, and they were yeah a little bit negative and like critical about what I was talking about. Um, and I think they expected me just to be kind of like rude back. But I was like, oh, it's interesting. I like I was intrigued by the perspective. They seem like a fascinating person. When I look at their profile, I'm like, how would you like to go on an Instagram live and and talk about this? And so we went on the live and I think they were still expecting to like, you know, be sort of like uh, a little bit of conflict, but I was just interested to hear their perspective like about energy work and all that kind of stuff. And the conversation was amazing. I recorded it. I put it on my Instagram 
they reached out later. They were like, thank you so much for doing that. Like, I, my, my brother got this, and they shared it with my family, and it's like the first time my family's heard about me talking about all this kind of spiritual stuff, and it like really helped open things up, and you know, she ended up sending me like a crystal. It was a really sweet interaction. But yeah, that's so possible to, to diffuse it with love. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we don't have to necessarily agree all the time, but just accepting that we have different differences and opinions and beliefs um, and that we can learn from each other, too. It's really beautiful. And even if, like, you don't want to learn from it, like the saying, like, take what resonates and leave, leave the rest is something that I often find myself saying, you know, or keep scrolling if this really isn't something that resonates with you, because if you watch the whole thing, if you interact with it, the algorithm is only going to make your FYP or for you page pull up more of that information. Um, and I think that is, you know, relevant on a lot of different platforms, not just TikTok, you know, AI is often seeing what you're paying the most attention to. It's like where attention and intention goes, energy flows. And therefore, if you pay attention to the stuff that which you do not agree with, that you do not like, because you want to fight the system and you want to fight whatever it is, you're just going to see more of it. And I think we need to start just creating the world that we want to live in. And that can start with like this beautiful example of social media um, by creating you know, the world you want to live in by you know, interacting with the content that really resonates with your soul. If the content is out there and it's causing like egregious harm and like crime and pain amongst the masses and it's your sole purpose to fight that kind of stuff, more power to you. Thanks for doing your work. You need people like you on this planet. But if you're just doing it because you woke up, rolled onto the wrong side of the bed and happens across some content you dislike, like find it in your heart to be able to say, you know what? I disagree with people all the time, but that doesn't mean I need to do hate on them. Okay, I move on now. And recognize that you like it and interact with it. Like I said, it's just going up. So. It's interesting uh, you're talking about how, how we're literally interacting with AI. And the AI then chooses what we see. And often these people who create these algorithms, like for TikTok, they, they can't even control the algorithm. It, they, they, it becomes so incredibly complex that it's, like, it, it's really taking on a life of its own. Are you, uh, are you under the idea of AI being a kind of a thing we got to look out for? Or how, how do you see AI in the future? So I don't think it's as nefarious as many people believe it to be. I believe that we're integrating technology with nature. And I think it's a really beautiful thing, to be honest. Um, I think that there are a lot of negative entities out there. And I think that, you know, with um, Oxford or what is it called? Sorry, I'm having a brain fart right now my friend Brittany Kaiser is the whistleblower on them but the Facebook people oh the Cambridge Analytica Cambridge Analytica thank you um I don't pay attention to this stuff honestly though even though I know the people who are like very deeply intrinsically involved in it I kind of just thank you for doing that work to Brittany thank you to the people who are out there and blowing whistles on all of that and showing us that we need to have ownership of our data but that doesn't mean that we need to kibosh all of technology in general. I think that like we are integrating with AI and we can utilize AI for good just as much as we can utilize for negativity as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Cambridge Analytica story, uh, that's a fascinating one. And that's like, yeah, that's when it really shows that 
it's it's the human's intention about what they're doing with it that really matters so much. And with like Cambridge Analytica, it was really about um, uh, mass manipulation and how you know really how simple it is to manipulate people. Uh, well, yeah, and it's been used against us for quite some time, you know, to create more polarity, more divisiveness, more distraction. The distraction is a big bit of it, you know, to distract us with these dopamine hits and infighting on the internet and creating all of this dissonance in humanity um, rather than allowing us to, like, come together in unity and harmony, which is what we're meant to be doing. And, of course, the nefarious entities and entities out there are going to try and prevent us from unifying. Absolutely. Um, and they're going to use our own data against us and they're going to brainwash us and make us distracted and put us down these deep rabbit holes to keep us away from like evolving and moving forward. Um, you know, we get stuck in this stagnancy sometimes in social media and a lot of people demonize it. And I think that there is a lot of really good positive stuff that we can utilize with all of the same manipulation tactics that have been used against us we can use them for good as well. Um, and so that's what keeps me going on the internet. You know, there's, I, I keep my name, we were just talking about this before. I, my full name is on everything, everything. I mean, I've been being tracked since I was a baby. I have a social security number. I have an iPhone. I have Facebook. I have everything that possibly like, everyone knows my stuff, could know my stuff. And that's great because we are one unity consciousness. Like we're pulling and uploading and downloading from the same iCloud consciousness and we're meant to be sharing our information. And the more people who hear my words, the better. You know, the more people who hear your words, the better. And all the amazing people, beings, whatever you want to call them, that you have on your channel as well. It's so important that we can get it out there. Um, so the more the merrier, I think. and. Yeah, I think we can use, like I said, all of these things that have been nice for so long for good as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's really it's really interesting, uh, kind of where we're at right now with with the internet, with technology, and it, you know, someone once said that vulnerability is a superpower, and I honestly, I honestly believe that. Tim Ferriss, uh, who's you know best-selling author, he's got a podcast. Uh, he was talking about how. He has been very transparent on his podcast about psychedelic use and just, you know, just who he is in general. And he said that because he's been so transparent, there are certain things that people were not able to use against him as a blackmail material, you know, and that's, that's power right there. Vulnerability, transparency, that's power. And that's what we're moving into. That's part, that's like a huge part of this new paradigm that we're stepping into is that transparency, is standing in your integrity, speaking your truth. And like your truth is, like I said, you know, that's why I get nervous. And it may have been when I got cut off before with my audio, um, where some of these influencers have like massive, like 68 million followers, and they're not even really doing anything for the greater good of humanity with it. And rather, they're just showing the children, the teens, whomever are watching them, the, mo the only the good stuff in their life. So if anything controversial were to come up, it is used against them immediately. It backlashes against them immediately. Mm -hmm. They're not using these platforms to spread, you know, 
light beyond dance moves and stuff, which are being played to the tune of songs that are part of this program that makes humanity sick in a way. Um, so I'd love to see those platforms utilized for good, but that's, like I said before, you know, more power to them if that's what they know that they're meant to be here to do is just to entertain them that way. Absolutely great. But it's just a little bit scary for me um, to see that, especially with how young some of these kids are on there, because I know developmentally I was not anywhere near where I am now. I'm like, I'm pretty secure in who I am, um, but I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still healing and I'm 28. You know, some of these kids are 16 to 21 that have some of the biggest platforms in the world. Mm. Um, and it's a little bit eerie to see that. And I just send them so much love and I bless them on their journeys. And for me, having wanting to hide once I hit like 40,000 followers, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when I keep growing. But I know it's happening at a divine timing rate. And who knows if I'm ever going to make it to 68 million followers. But I do know that I'm I'm doing everything at the right pace for me, and it still feels intimidating at times. But it does feel good that I know, like Embarrassed was saying, you know, everything's out there. I continue to put myself out there. I admitted to when I only had fifty thousand that I'm going through feeling from an addiction right now. You know, like. That that's a big thing. No one can come after me though now and say, but she, she's an addict. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I talk about it. Everybody knows. Like, what what's it to you? How are you going to hold that against me? There's nothing you really can. Um, and that feels really good. And it feels sincere. And it feels like I'm stepping away from any of that new age spiritualism that allows for toxic positivity um, and any of that, which is you know, that spiritual bypassing that we hear of constantly. And I see some leaders in the field who really ride those waves of toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing. And they're putting themselves and their followers in really dangerous, precarious positions because, yeah, it, it, it does bite you in the butt in the long term, I believe. When, when we're having a, our conversation on your podcast, we're talking a little bit about cancel culture. And it, 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 it kind of goes along the lines with this and in, in where, you know, with cancel culture, it's like if you don't agree with someone, you just like pick at them, you grab your pitchforks and you say like, you gotta, you gotta cancel them, cancel their show, cancel their account, all that. And that's absolutely ridiculous uh, because what, what we should be doing is having this transparent conversation. It's like with Kevin Hart when he was about to host the Oscars, you know, like years back, I think it was like five or so years before that, he tweeted something that was slightly homophobic on Twitter and and someone found it and it was like, let's cancel him from hosting the Oscars. Where, you know, what it should have been was a conversation and whoever was upset, you know, get like a, a gay rights leader and have Kevin Hart and have them go and, and talk about this. That could have helped millions of people talk about homophobia and how it's not okay to like joke about certain things because it can hurt people. Absolutely, you know, I really um, love what you just said because it's like the more we put push people to the outskirts of society, 
for doing something negative or, you know, it's the more we're pushing parts of ourselves even out to the outskirts of society. It's easier to point fingers and say, hey, you feel bad than to go and do the inner work. Mm. And then to recognize once you have that self-love, once you have that self-understanding and that empowerment of thyself, you can then look out to others and be like, you know what, you're a human, you made a mistake. And I've been there before. And I think that as especially, you know, as an influencer, a celebrity or whomever, if you've made a mistake, talk about it, you know, share it with the humans, let them know that you're also a human and you make mistakes. And this is how we can end the perpetuation of negativity. Um, you know, because the more we just, you know, do the pitchforks and the screaming at the people who are doing the negative stuff, the less feeling the world is experiencing. Um, the more we're able to say like, hey, come here, that wasn't okay. Hmm. Talk about that and let's heal from that because collectively we need to see and we need to hear those types of conversations. And we need to also see, even if you don't have like the homophobia or the racism or whatever it may be inside your own heart, like you have something that someone has shamed you for in the past for making a mistake on. So it's kind of just like adding to that, like you're just sort of like eating the same medicine or poison rather that you've been fed your whole life or however long you've carried that mistake or disbelief and belief or whatever have you. So um, it's, it's super interesting to see. Um, and I, I like to tell people, you know, if you can't perceivably unconditionally love everybody, start to learn to unconditionally accept everybody because we all gonna have some differences. We're all gonna have something in energy in which we carry that someone someone on this planet or a group of someone's on this planet is not gonna like. And that's true for everybody. And that's also okay. It's beautiful in fact. Yeah. And and I feel as though right now there's probably people listening who feel that way about Trump supporters who just hate them and say, I could never be friends with someone like that. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. It's like not just blindly hating and just hating for the sake of them having a different opinion, but actually having that conversation. And I like that you brought up self, self-growth, self-work. Um, what, what in your life has been, so, has been like more impactful for your self-development, for your self-growth? Um, I mean, that's a pretty broad question. Do you mean like what traumas or what has helped you? Like what, um, yeah, like what has helped um, your growth? Kind of just completely broad, like broad, broad stroke. But I, for me, like one of the most significant things uh, for my, my growth has, has been doing, there's there like certain workshops that I've gone to, psychedelic therapies, like all these different things that like have up-leveled me pretty significantly you know, where I can look back and be like, wow, I'm a changed person. And I'm all about self-development, self-growth, like all, all the different kinds of, of works. Uh, I think relationships are also those moments where like you can really grow so much in a relationship. And I feel like every relationship is, you know, more evolved than the previous one. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious if, if there have been any, uh, those sorts of large growth factors in your life where you feel like, wow, like that really helped me up level for people who may be listening and like wanting to grow. 
Totally. So there's a few that had come to my mind um, initially. So my yoga teacher trainings were really empowering and powerful for me. Um, you know, one of my first ones, I had plant ceremony, plant medicine ceremony, there you go. Um, and that was incredible. Not only am I doing all the self-work and I'm learning all of the asanas and the yoga theory and philosophy and biology and all this stuff, I'm also working with these master plants. Hmm. And going to a different culture, I went to Peru for it. I mean, you can do these yoga trainings without the plant medicines anywhere if you're interested in doing that. And even if you don't want to become a yoga teacher, these are some of the most empowering and transformative trainings I've ever experienced. Um, going to conferences, getting a ticket to a conference, getting a ticket to an online conference. Um, those have been really, really up-leveling for me and my consciousness. I get to meet a ton of people that are like-minded, also different-minded, but I'm so open-minded that I'm willing to like absorb from the people whom I never would have thought that I would have ever gotten along with. I ended up at conferences about technology and I was like, I don't even know anything about tech, but I'm still learning so much from these beings and, and delving myself into to this completely new world that it's that in and of itself is, is expanding. Um, going to festivals, music festivals, meeting people from all different walks of life. You know, even there, you can be dan dancing next to a Trump supporter and a Biden supporter and a Bernie supporter and then an Independence Party supporter. Nobody would know. We're all just vibing through the same stuff. We're coming from different places in the world. It doesn't even have to be supporters of the two-party system or any of the political party systems in the United States. They could be from across the planet the travel that I've experienced, you know, and a lot of what I'm saying is coming from a place of privilege. And I understand that financially, I've been very lucky to be able to go to all of these places, but a lot of it is extremely accessible as well. You know, I'm not just hanging out with wealthy people. I'm meeting people from all walks of life at all of these events. You know, probably the yoga teacher training might be the most expensive thing I'm, I've spoke of so far. You know, you can get volunteer jobs at, all of the conferences pretty much that you go, you volunteer a few hours a day and you get to spend the rest of the weekend, the week, whatever it is, melding minds and brushing shoulders with some of the most incredible, fascinating human beings, the speakers, the teachers, the healers, the developers, and then just all of the other people who are like buzzing with energy, just there to learn. So incredible. And then we can move into trauma. Oh my goodness, my trauma has been so up-leveling for me. My dark nights of the soul, there is not just one. I mean, at least for me in this lifetime, I don't want to put that on everybody else. Some people I think do just have one rock bottom or one dark night of the soul and whoosh, they're open and they're ready to go because that's their you know, karmic loop that they completed um, or their soul contract that they've completed. And that's beautiful. Um, but, you know, for me, it's been a multitude of traumas that have, I now get to look back retrospectively with a genuine smile on my face and say, thank God that happened. Thank universe, thank source, thank whatever that is creating all of this, whatever I am definitely a part of um, <laughs> that has allowed for these experiences to happen. You know, you said relationships. I had this beautiful whirlwind, toxic crazy, amazing, horrible uh, relationship with my last person that I was with. And holy moly, like I 
bless that person's soul for the rest of my life. We may never speak again. We may never see each other again. And that's probably for the best, but wow, thank you, man. Like you really taught me a ton and I learned so much. And now I know how to love unconditionally myself and others around me. It was one of the most spiritual connections I've ever had. All of these things. I mean, it's incredible. You said something about psychedelics, um, ketamine infusions saved my life. So if you're listening and you're struggling through severe depression, suicidal thinking even, go and see if you're a candidate for ketamine infusions or for these new mushroom studies that are coming up or DMA studies. Um, I'm not telling people to go and do these drugs on the street. I am telling them that there are really beautiful and amazing and transformative medical ways to have these experiences, these psychedelic experiences that are here to like help you reconnect your synapses and to help you like love yourself again and come out of the funk that you're in. Um, I work with a lot of people that work with math and work. I work for Thank You Plant Medicine myself. So I'm a big proponent of this. But like I said, I'm also personally an addict, a recovering addict. So I've had to step away from like marijuana myself. Um, and that was my drug of choice for 14 years. Trust me, I've had issues with other substances, but to even hear that out loud at times for me is like, do I sound crazy to some people? Absolutely. They'll tell me that the plant, you can't be addicted to it, da 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 da. I was smoking like an ounce every four or five days myself, 100% addicted to it. That is not normal. Um, That's like every day, all day, every day. All day, every day. And um, the amount of clarity, the amount of awakening, the amount of psychedelic dreams that I have as a sober person. Whoa, that the connection that I have, you know? And I used to think that getting stoned was helping me stay more and more connected to the divine. And sure, I definitely had extremely divine, amazing occurrences. And yes, I was still a conscious being but I was dulling myself down. I had latent potential that was just waiting, waiting to come out. And now with that sobriety, um, hello, I'm, I'm shining, I'm glowing, I feel it from the inside out and I'm experiencing stuff I haven't experienced before. So even that journey, you know, there's so much and it's so individuated to each human being on this planet, how they're going to up level in their consciousness. Um, but it's incredible. It's incredible how these experiences have helped me and how these experiences, you know, that I've spoken of as well, I've watched up level other beings on this planet too. So mm. that sums up the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. So for, for the uh, marijuana addiction, um, so did you did you like at one point be like, okay, this is this is too much because like with everything like you can have too much water, you know, you can you can literally die from too much water. Uh, so it's like everything is okay moderation wise but if you take it to there's like an extreme level like once you get above that it's like okay there's something going on here uh did you kind of figure that yourself did someone help you did you go talk to someone how did you you know get help with that so the first time that i got sober um was three days after my ex-fiance left the one that had the amazing incredible terrible <laughs> relationship with <laughs> um he had been telling me for months, like, you need to quit, you need to quit. Of course, him telling me I need to quit made me want to smoke more. And therefore, I did. I smoked more and I smoked more and I smoked more. 
And then he left and I was like, well, a change needs to be had. Um, and I quit, I had about 90 days clean. And then I went to go run a conference in Texas. It was the first time that I was like sleeping outside of my own house um, during those 90 days. And I went to a friend's house who happened to have paraphernalia and ganja all over their house. Free range. And um, it took me about 18 hours being there um, to take one bong rip. And, you know, a year and a half later, I realized I'd been in a year and a half relapse. Mm. Um, and so the second round, which I'm in now, um, and I'm, you know, hoping that this is the one that sticks for me personally, who knows if I end up getting to a point where I can, but that is every addict's thought is that they can be normal and smoke again and just have a couple of joints here and there. But I don't know, maybe I'm not your average addict. Maybe that is my addiction speaking. You know, anybody in the AA community or any 12-step community will tell you that is just an addict's mind. So um, I'm all about, you know, breaking the boxes and, and telling people that not everybody's the same, but I'm willing to also take these steps a day at a time and be willing to say, I don't ever really think I should smoke again. But again, who the F knows? Um, I don't. I can see into the future in my own ways. I cannot see that type of stuff in the future. Um, but this time around, I was, you know, on this very couch, um, smoking tons of weed by myself, realizing that I don't think I, I know what it's really like to be high anymore. This mm -hmm. is my like natural state of being because I was smoking so much and it, it became depressing for me. Because I was like, why, like, Samantha, why do you do this? What, do you, what are you getting out of this? And it was almost like offering me time to breathe. But I wasn't really breathing. I was inhaling smoke. Hmm. Because I have such like, a busy mind and a really strong energy, and I'm often doing stuff. This is one of the most successful years of my life, even though I was in a relapse. Um, I found it, like, you know, I found that it's just something to calm myself down, even though it wasn't actually doing anything psychologically to me, except for making me depressed. It wasn't doing what people do to enjoy a joint. And they're like, I'm hot. Great. Yeah. It was just like, yep, I'm normal. And no one knew I was ever high because that was my norm. It became a chemical balance that my body got used to. So it got super depressing to realize that. And I had a conversation with one of my friends and she essentially said, you know, I think I'm an addict, but I don't want to stop yet. And her saying that outside of myself about herself, hmm. like, oh, I had 90 days of sobriety. And I, and it was in that moment that I realized I was in a relapse. I didn't realize it for a year and a half. I hadn't thought of it once. I just decided I did 90 days. I worked the program. I'm good. I'm no longer an addict, so I can smoke every day again. Hmm. And that's just not how it works, for me, at least. It proved to me that I had an issue. So, yeah, it, it's been um, been a journey. I definitely think about it at times. I'm here in California. Um, I'll walk past it on the street. There was a group of dudes in the grocery store last night that, like, smelled like a marijuana tree. Um, I don't think they're trees, I think they're plants, but <laughs> um, the amount of marijuana they smelled could have been a tree. 
And I was like, ooh, that sounds like good stuff. And I was like, nope, no, 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 gotta go. Like, this is fine. It's just not for me anymore. So interesting journey for sure. Yeah. So which so sobriety, would would that include like psychedelics or where where's the line when it comes to sobriety? So yeah, I've experienced like all of the all of the things pretty much. You know, I haven't done meth, heroin, or crack. Um, I've done, and I'll probably never will. I hope I don't. Um, and I've done everything else under the sun pretty much. So I don't really feel this desire or impetus to return to any substance. But um, I, you know, like I said, ketamine saved my life. So those infusions are great. If I were to ever experience a bout of depression or suicidal thinking, I would definitely return to that medicine um, with a doctor. Um, when it comes to other psychedelics, I'm staying away from them for right now because I do know that with my ritual with them, I like to smoke weed. Um, you know, I haven't drank alcohol in like three years. I'll never drink alcohol again. It's not my thing. I hate it. I hate what it does to people. I don't think it makes anyone more conscious. But I do believe in psychedelics and plant medicines. I just also believe I've experienced a lot of them, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't drank in about, about a year and a half or so. Uh, and it, yeah, it feels good. It was interesting stopping drinking because uh, I was just you know casual drinker, or I'd you know go hard with my friends and whatever whatever the the situation was, um, and it felt very normal. Uh, but then when I stopped drinking, and I would I would still hang out with people at, at bars and whatnot. I just wouldn't drink. It's very interesting to see them start to get drunk, and it was just like very hard to be around. So I'm like, wow, these people are acting really dumb. <laughs> and it's a sort of reality distortion field around you because you feel as though you're like the coolest person in the world. But the reality of the situation is you're like slurring your words and you're just not, <laughs> you're not uh, all there. Uh, so yeah, that has been a good, and plus it's just not healthy. It's just not good for your body. Uh, and I, I found it interesting because I have some people, some friends who are, you know, in AA and they're sober and all that. And they talk about it a lot and, you know, it's like, it's their life. And they realize they can't do any, they can't do anything. Um, and I'm, I'm more along the lines of like the guy who started AA. Um, he, he thought that AA should include uh, LSD therapy. Like he was, he was, he, he thought that LSD actually would help people get off of alcohol. But there was a lot of controversy around that, obviously. And uh, you know, so it, it didn't get implemented, but. Yeah, there, there's certainly many paths for, for many different people when it comes to that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, no, and with my sponsor, she'll be like, well, just let me know, like, what are your exceptions? Like, do you have exceptions? Hmm. And at the moment, I'm, I don't want to have exceptions, but I do tell her, like, I do believe and advocate for these. And, I, you know, people use, like, Ibogaine to get over addiction. People use ayahuasca to get over addiction. Um, and I'm sure, you know, LSD treatments as well can be very effective on this. So I think it's a really interesting topic and I'm still super new to like really, really working the program because in the 90 days that I had, I was only going to meetings. Um, this time I'm 50 days in, so I'm extremely newcomer. They say you're a newcomer for the first five years, but um, you know, this time I'm, I'm really working steps. Like I'm already on step three with my 
sponsor and that's 50 days in, that's pretty quick. But I'm really, you know, an advanced soul, if you will. And I like to really work it. I want to work the program. I want to do, I'm a self-development junkie as well. My addiction doesn't just run from the substances. It, it spills over to, you know, empowering myself, knowing myself. Um, mm. So that's powerful. That's really important for me too, you know? Yeah, that's powerful to, to, if you can channel like addictive tendencies into something productive, you know, that's, that's remarkable. So where, where are you now? What's, uh, what is kind of the next step for Samantha? What, what's exciting you lately? Well, I'm working on a children's book with one of my friends. So that will be being published in the new year. And I'm very excited about that. It's already been written. We're in the illustrating phase right now. Um, and I, I look forward to when the world starts spinning in a different way to be speaking at events again and going and traveling the world again and being able to do that. Um, and I'm working on my Divine Data podcast as well, which your episode is going to be coming out soon, which is exciting. Um, and just continuing to know myself, love myself, grow myself, and uh, in turn help feel those who resonate with me. I used to always say help feel humanity, and it's like not my personal job to feel humanity. It's my personal job to feel myself mm. and then allow that trickle effect and like the, you know, you can't work from an empty cup. I want to be working from a cup that's overflowing. So that overflow can then affect those around me and those who are attracted to my energy. Um, so just continuing that work and continuing um, creating TikTok content and IG content and Facebook content and all of that good stuff. Putting the Samantha vibes out there. I love it. I love it. What is, do you have a, a title for your children's book? I do. Um, it's called Monkey for now. We have to figure out whether it's going to be Maya and Monkey or just Monkey. But yeah. What's it about? A day in the life of a young girl named Maya and her stuffed animal monkey. And it's about unity consciousness and remembering that we're all one. So, <laughs> That's amazing. I, I'm just imagining kids, like little kids being read a story about unity consciousness and that we are all one. And I personally, I think I would have resonated very strongly with that. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I was like one of those kids who just did not feel like I really fit in. You know, my, my I was very shy, very quiet because I just didn't, you know, I wanted to have the, the deep conversations, but everything around me was in, incredibly superficial. Uh, so that's awesome that you're releasing a book like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it doesn't say the words unity consciousness in it, but that's the concept behind it. And it's allowing, it's the same thing. Like I felt the same way. I felt very different from everyone I grew up around. And I felt, you know, so much unconditional love for everybody too. Um, and I, this is the book that I would have wanted to read. As a kid. So it's, it's kind of like subliminal messaging for the parents as well, who are going to be reading it to like not dull their children's magic. To understand that their children are some of the most intelligent beings, emotionally intelligent beings that exist. Um, and to not, you know, add to any of the societal debris that may already pile up on them. So that one day when they're in their 20s, they're not working so hard to excavate that crap. Because that's what I see with our generation and 
I want to um, I want to see a new generation of kids who have less healing to do in that sense. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And I hear that the souls coming in are ready to come in now because the earth is at a certain point where they feel safe to come in. And these are like higher conscious beings who are arriving. And I think that is just very exciting for the future. I think that I'm very optimistic about the future. Uh, I think that we we have reached a point on this planet where we are saving the planet more than we're destroying the planet. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's some really good things that are that are happening. Uh, so if people want to to connect with you and get more Samantha in their life, how can they connect with you? Awesome. Yeah. Well, Samantha Rose Popperin across the board, SamanthaRosePopperin.com, Samantha Rose Popperin on Instagram, Samantha Rose Popperin on uh, TikTok. And I keep a lot of my stuff on Facebook public as well. So you can follow me on Samantha Rose Popperin as well there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, Samantha Rose Popperin on YouTube. <laughs> See, that's one of the benefits of using your full name. You can just, you can get it all. Yep. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, do you have any any parting words for people who are listening that they can take along with them throughout the day? Yeah, um, absolutely. I just think it's super integral to find that self-love and that joy of life within yourself that doesn't get um, even through the darkest of times. You can find you know, the beauty and why is this happening for us rather than to us. And the more you continue to know and love yourself, the harder it is to have any hatred for anything outside of yourself. Um, and that is how I think we're going to help collectively heal humanity. And if you guys need any assistance, I offer Reiki and spiritual coaching and also just some really fun um, ways to show you about spirituality through my content. Um, I try not to keep it so serious all the time. So I hope to see you guys somewhere in the ether Samantha Rose Paprin. Thank you so much for, for this journey. Uh, so one last question for you. Are there any books you've read recently or books that you'd recommend? Um, I love the Joe Dispenza, How to Be Supernatural, something, something, something. I forget the full title of it. Um, anything Joe Dispenza is amazing. There's also a book by Kamal Ravikant that helped save my life that is called Love Yourself. Like your life depends on it. And two months after reading it, I magically lived in a convent in Italy with him um, at a retreat I was teaching meditation at. It was super synchronistic. I had no idea he was going to be there. He told me his name and I literally broke down in tears because I was like, your book saved my life. So wow. um, how to love your, or no, love yourself like your life depends on it, Kamal Ravikant, and how to be supernatural or anything by Sotifenza are some of my favorites. Mm. Thank you for that. And thank you for the time. Thank you for being here. I, I appreciate you just spreading your light. Uh, you really, I like how transparent you are and how bold you are. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being you. And I so appreciated this and being on Deep Shift. And I look forward to more conversations soon. Likewise, likewise. And thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Stay tuned for more Deep Shift episodes about the awakening of consciousness. Much love. <laughs>